Hello, hello. Hello, hello. All right, yay. Hi. <laughs> so hello, hello. Welcome to She Is Talking. This is the first episode of the second season of a live series that will be saved on IGTV. There you can find new episodes that with guests discussing topics such as confidence building tools, the importance of prioritizing our mental health and how to become the best version of ourselves. Because you got it. You have everything you need inside of you to succeed. Go get it. You are in control of your life. Go after your dreams. It's time to shake your beauty. So She Is Talking is raising money for Girls on the Run and I have linked a fundraiser here. So please consider donating to this amazing organization. I am a coach for Goder. And we are teaching young girls to learn confidence and comprehensible lessons as they train for the end of season 5K. Um, this new season is highlighting the Miss America candidates of 2023 as the conversations with the crowns. So this is my um, Miss America sister, Katrina, from Miss Massachusetts. <laughs> And for those that don't know, Miss America is a scholarship competition that originated on the boardwalk of Atlantic City in 1921. And I think MAO said it best that Miss America is more than a title. It's a movement of empowering young women everywhere to dream big, to insist that their voices be heard, and to inspire change in the world around them. Preparing great women for the world and the world for great women. There will be 51 states, including myself, competing for the title of Miss America 2023. And I'm so excited to have some of my friends on to highlight their person, their work, and to hear a little bit about their journeys that help them on their self-love journey. So today we have Miss Massachusetts, Katrina, and she's an award-winning reporter, a fill-in anchor at CBS Boston. She graduated from American University in DC with a bachelor's in broadcast journalism. She advocates for representation and equity, not only for her social impact initiative, but also also in the stories she tells on TV. So, hey, Katrina. Hey, Maddie. <laughs> How are you? <ya? laughs> are you? I'm fantastic. Even better hanging out with you now. <laughs> Me too. At least we're not biking this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah. think I need, even needed to say that. <laughs> yeah. We are not biking. <laughs> I love it. So you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, totally. So as you already said, <laughs> I am Massachusetts. I'm a reporter and fill-in anchor at CBS Boston, also known as WBZ, if you're like a local from, from Massachusetts. And I graduated, went to school in D.C., which I absolutely love. But I am a Bostonian, born and raised. So I'm happy to have back here and start my career. I started in Western Massachusetts. And then I just moved out here, I mean, not maybe just, but in April to start my dream job at CBS Boston, which is what I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, and yeah, when I won Miss Massachusetts, I became the first Muslim woman to win Miss Massachusetts. So that was really, really fun. And I advocate for diversity, inclusion, mental health advocacy, just things that have impacted me in my life since I was a kid and that I think that we should be talking about more. Absolutely. I think what you have done is absolutely incredible. It's so cool to hear from even just somebody you know that they've accomplished their dreams. Like you are 
Miss Massachusetts and you got your dream job and then this organization is not only helping you pay to for the education that got yeah. you there but also to be able to accomplish all of your dreams at Miss America as well so I'm so excited totally yeah I am debt free now because of the scholarships that I won winning Miss Massachusetts so whatever I win hopefully continuing from being at Miss America from what extra we get I never thought I'd be able to actually go back to school I like rolled it out completely because I was like oh I won't be able to pay for that and I don't need mm -hmm. it I always wanted to continue my education in like Spanish because it's really helpful to my career. And at one point I was almost fluent and then I just didn't dropped it in college because I didn't have time. So I kept telling myself like, oh, I could go back to school. Like I'd study Spanish again, but I ruled it out because of how much money it would cost. And so now right. if I get any more extra scholarships, I plan to use it to get my Spanish education back on point. So that's incredible. I love that. Oh my goodness. So this is a very special series for me, for those that don't know, that I have a bunch of my Miss America sisters on She's Talking. And I do say sisters because we are so close. And honestly, we have all really become close friends. We talk every day. If you're not around <laughs> the Miss America organization, you don't really know, but everyone's really, really close. Like our ah! Snapchat group chat is blowing up all day long. <laughs> And the things in there are just hysterical. And so for this series of episodes, we will continue the three block topic for each episode. First, we have state your status, where we will learn about each woman as a whole person, their state and the representative of their state. Then we have their social impact initiative. And each candidate for Miss America has a social impact initiative that they have dedicated their year of service to. So each state promotes their initiative through their community service throughout their year. Then we have my favorite section, which is real talk. This is where we really get into it. What are some things that you have struggled with or that you are struggling with? Every person has their downs and we don't really see that on social media because our social media platforms are highlight reel. So we're really going to get into the real talk. And I have some very exciting news that She Is Talking is now on Spotify. So I'm so excited to say that you can now listen to She Is Talking on Spotify and on Anchor. So if you're driving, you're running errands, cleaning, doing some self-care, you can put in your headphones, listen to some recorded episodes. And although we are very happy to have those that are listening here live, this podcast is intended to be an open conversation with both the guests and the live audience. So let's have some real talk. So let's get right into it. State your status. So what state are you from? And like, what is your favorite thing about your state? Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts. I'm a very Massachusetts gal. And what is my favorite thing about Massachusetts? Mm. There, oh man, I, okay. So I think I'm gonna, yeah, okay. My favorite thing is I think <laughs> that what makes us kind of unique is how accessible the different terrains are throughout mm. that you can have skiing, we have the beaches, we have marshes. Like I, I think I've been so privileged to grow up in a state that allows me to experience so many things every season that like if I lived and would be one of the things that made me the saddest. Like it truly, once it started warmer, getting warmer, made me like slightly depressed every time. It was like I wasn't close to a beach, and I grew up mm -hmm. 
beach and I live in Massachusetts. You know, like, I, like people don't immediately them like Cape Cod. Yeah, you don't associate that with the beach. No, they don't. And I think that that's like one of our most underrated things that I grew up bringing me some of my happiest moments. But then also as an adult, especially living in Western Massachusetts, getting to experience like the hills and the mountains that are there and the skiing out there. And you could just do it all. I was just talking to someone the other day about how we can experience so much mm. in just this little time. <laughs> no, I, that's what I love about New England. And I, I don't know if you listen to Noah Khan at all, but he just released an album about New England. And it makes me <laughs> laugh every time because everybody from New England is just so obsessed with where they live. And I mean, <laughs> as a Mainer, I am obsessed with Maine. I'm, we're driving around and I'm looking at the leaves and I'm just mesmerized. It's Absolutely. just so beautiful. And like you said, to be able to experience all those seasons as well as all of the terrain, it's, it's very different. And I think often we take it for granted. Yeah, I totally. I mean, also in Massachusetts, we invented the chocolate chip cookie. And that's where my favorite Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, yeah, we have the, we invented the chocolate chip cookie and we invented slash the first state fair was here. Interesting. I didn't know that. Those are pretty cool fun facts, honestly. Those are my two show me your shoes options when we were, when I was hoping we would have show me your shoes. <sighs> yeah. See, I wanted to be... <laughs> right, right. I wanted to be like a moose or a lobster. I wasn't sure which one I was going for, but could you imagine me showing up as a moose? <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, moose. <laughs> I would be quite the sight. It couldn't have been lobster. It, it couldn't have been lobster. <laughs> it needed to be. I know. Like, a lobster, I feel like you could do a really fun red dress. But no, a moose, especially if we did it in December, big, furry coat, I would have been sold. It would have been perfect. Like, one of those cheap coats, it would have been fine. It would have been cheap. <laughs> Just <giant> antler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, I wish. Uh I wish that would have been brilliant. I was planning on having a giant Ferris wheel on my back. <laughs> Wait, that's honestly so cool. You know, like I was like, I don't know. Like, a Ferris it was wheel. like ornaments. I feel like that could be actually pretty pretty I, I, and aesthetic. That that was that was the idea. That or like a, a classic like 1950s cookie, like Baker Woman uh, yeah. thing. But would I was really be a cookie. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, this girl, I, that wouldn't be the way that I would go, but here I am saying I would be a big furry moose. So, you know what? <laughs> okay, so the next question we have is, who is Katrina? Give us three things that people wouldn't know about you. I know this is one of the worst questions. When any, anytime somebody asks me, I'm like, I'm an open book. I everybody knows everything about me yep. i feel like so give me three things that people wouldn't know about you wouldn't know about me from looking at me because you know like, like you said like it's out there everything's on the internet right oh um, <laughs> no <so> exactly <laughs> so i guess from from looking at me what you wouldn't know is that let's think oh, my big obvious one which is like oh, it started this way was that I went to a mental hospital when I was in high school and so that's part of my my backstory I talk about that very openly in my experience my mental health journey um another one I've been volunteering with Special Olympics for 15 years and I'm 25 wow. so that's half my life that I've been volunteering with them 
Um, and the third thing you would not know about me from looking at me. Oh, I love, oh, this is so corny. I hate these. I love, I love, love poetry. <laughs> oh. And poetry. Do you write poetry or do you just read poetry? When I, when I was younger and my, like high school and younger, I wrote mm -hmm. and I used to think I was the next like Rupi Kaur. Like I, <laughs> it was me. Like I was, you know, her short little ones. I'd be like, my day is sad. Like the sun. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, so no that's how I feel when I look through my notes app sometime. I'm like, what, who did I think I was reading, writing who, these? Who was that? I don't want to find the old books. You know, I don't want to find the old notebooks. because It's just embarrassing. Um, but I have yeah. a poem I wrote when I was in like first grade. And you know, when you write them and you print them into like a collage type of thing, like books. that Right. Yes. It, we did that oh, too. Yeah. It was called the homework blues and um, oh. i like to this is the catalyst that people should have realized i had anxiety is i <laughs> this, poem, this should have been your sign it should have been the red flag um somebody from the beginning maybe like it was i said something like oh how i hate the homework and i have the blues it is hard like math <laughs> and i cannot get through <laughs> I have the blues. Dark <laughs> blues, and I cannot get through. <laughs> oh my goodness! Honestly, I would pay to read those notebooks. I need to see them. <laughs> they're my, they're my favorite thing. But no, I have a whole like bookshelf in my office of like poetry books that I like to read. I don't have as much time as I'd love to now these days to read them, but I am a big poetry poetry gal. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. All right. Now let's get into the social impact initiative. I know this is all of our most, this is everyone's favorite part because we're so passionate about it. And so getting the opportunity to be able to talk about it and talk about the things you do. And I'm sure everyone wants, everyone wants to learn more about you and how you're connected to the social impact initiative. And for those that don't know, if you weren't here at the beginning, social impact initiative is what we dedicate our year to and we dedicate community service and what we're advocating for with this title and this platform as Miss Maine and Miss Massachusetts. So what is your social impact initiative? Give me your little elevator pitch. My little elevator pitch. So mine is Representation Matters, Embracing Diversity. And I advocate for equity, diversity, and inclusion in our communities, starting from our youth all the way to going to companies and giving education and lessons about how to be more inclusive in the workplace to ultimately build a more inclusive world where everybody feels accepted and that their unique stories actually matter. That's my... my That's beautiful. Very concise, very beautiful. I love it. So what makes you so passionate about your social impact initiative? Tell us a little bit about that. I think it's it's how I grew up. And it started with my younger brother, Willie, who's on the spectrum. Like We grew up together and I always saw him getting bullied. And that kind of ingrained in me the question about why people couldn't just be accepting of somebody who's different than them mm -hmm. and and I always would defend him and I wouldn't understand it you know as a kid my brother is only a year and a half younger than me so we're super close and we were super close growing up and I, just, I didn't understand it because that's just my younger brother and that instilled 
the the idea that people didn't find everybody to be the same and treat them equally. And then I went to a program growing up called the Metco program, which was, is voluntary school integration, where it takes children of color from Boston and then sends them to high performing, predominantly white schools in the suburbs. And the program was started wow. back during school segregation and busing because of the fact that Boston public schools at the time were unwilling to accept the fact that their schools were segregated and that mm -hmm. black and brown getting a lesser education. And so these okay. seven districts that we started with were like, okay, bring them here, bring them into our schools. And not only will we give them the education that they deserve is we will also make sure that our, our children in these suburbs are receiving a diverse education from learning about so many people from different worlds around them. And so the program continues to today. Um, one of the biggest things that I recently learned because I did a tour of our headquarters was there was a list of demands that in 1964, I believe, the NAACP presented to the school committee of things that they wanted to see that they believe would make real equitable change in the Boston public school system for black and brown children. And the mm -hmm. most simple, you would, you would laugh at the things that are on this because we're still fighting for them in schools today, <laughs> like 20 person classrooms, because that would be a more equitable learning experience for children of all economic backgrounds. But they were asking for that mm -hmm. in the sixth We're still asking for that. And one of the yeah. things that I do, especially with my social impact initiative that was on this list, is they asked for diverse literature in classes that showed children from a variety of backgrounds. And so knowingly, right. that's one of the biggest things that I do with my social impact initiative is I find books that feature children with autism, children with autism from different races, Muslim girls, because there were no books with Muslim girls, <laughs> little Muslim girls when I was growing up. And I, I go to schools and I teach about these books while they're important and read to the kids so that the kids can see themselves in the book so that they can know that their stories are just as equal as the ones that they predominantly have in their classroom. And all of my social impact initiative is based off of the people I've learned from in my life mm -hmm. and my story and having to find throughout my life that it is equally as valid as anybody else's story. I adore that. On That concept of bringing in children's books is so powerful because you want to introduce children to that at such a young age and right. that you you do see yourself in these books as well and that's incredible that is yeah. wow but <laughs> you know I, I loved reading as a kid I was you know one of those accelerated readers and how often as children do we identify with characters in books their stories exactly. but there's a barrier for kids different socioeconomic and racial backgrounds to that identifying with those characters. And that is the fact that in the majority of literature, especially children's literature, we don't look like those characters. And so mm -hmm. able to just go to a kindergarten and show children of all races that there are people in these books that if you're reading a book, it means that someone found it important enough to tell the story and to tell the story of that character and their background. And so mm -hmm. to show that to children, that their story is your story, and that's why it's just as important, it's an invaluable lesson that will change the way that you go throughout the rest of your life. 
That is so impactful. And Alyssa here said that is such an important conversation to be having. And that is amazing, Katrina. So what is one story? I don't know if you can break it down to one story because it sounds like you have made such an impact in your community and now being Miss Massachusetts, having that greater platform. But what is one story that makes you think, this is why I do that? Kind of that aha moment, like this is it. Oh man. I think it started with my career that that I started realizing those stories. So when I worked in Western Massachusetts, when I was the, the first person to be a black woman wearing her hair naturally in Western Massachusetts on air, there was a dad who had come up to me and different people in the black community sometimes would come up to me and be like, oh, you're doing so much for the kids, like just by being on TV. And I, and I they, thank you so much. You know, I'm just doing my job. But this one time, this dad, who I'd seen before outside, just around Western Massachusetts in this big population wise, that you see a few people <laughs> up to me and he said, I want you to know that my daughter was getting bullied at school because of her hair, because she chose to wear it naturally. And she pointed to them and said, well, the girl on TV who does the news has her hair like this. And she's pretty. So I'm pretty. And, and that was her defense against the bullies was me just being myself being authentically myself this little girl used as her defense against bullies and as someone who did not grow up wearing my hair naturally i grew up straightening it because i was taught that that was this the european beauty standard of what was pretty mm -hmm. that changed that that compelled me to start doing what I was doing. And that's when I was like, you know what? Even before I became Miss Massachusetts, I was like, I'm gonna start hitting up schools. And I'm. Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, there we go. There we go. Sorry, I was getting a call. Oh no, you're fine. It went out for a second and I had that problem one time. I was like, oh no, I don't wanna miss it. But no, that is, Wow, that is beautiful, really. I think I, I would have, I would have straight up started sobbing in that moment if somebody, was, I just standing there and listening to that conversation, I would have been a puddle. Like man, that is, that is why you do it for sure. That's why I do it, and you don't realize. I mean, now I'm the first woman in Massachusetts to wear her hijab on air, first Muslim woman. Yes, and I was going to ask you about that. How was that experience? Like, oh. Terrifying. going on here I feel like it's a very I feel like it's nerve-wracking when you're the first yeah terrifying absolutely I mean it was terrifying even going into my career field with my natural hair like I got told later on that a boss of mine questioned hiring me because of my hair when before I got hired yes because because there had never been a black woman who wore her hair naturally and and an older white male questioned the professionalism of it mm -hmm. and so it, it, that was just me wearing my hair and how it grew out of my head I mean imagine the fear of then just covering up completely and not having any hair whatsoever and so to me that was that was scary because I did not I was not raised Muslim I decided to revert to Islam and so I didn't have a family or, or a background in so it was truly just me going on this journey by myself and I I remember I said I, I love this religion and I love my community and the people who embrace me and it was a holiday it was one of our, our Eids and I, I wear my hijab on Eid and I said it would not be authentic to myself if I were to go on air and not 
wear it when I'm wearing it right after work. And so mm -hmm. it was terrifying. Um, but people, the people closest to me really supported it. And that's what got me through it is the afterwards and the responses and the messages I got from people in the Muslim community afterwards saying, mm -hmm. thank you so much. I'm from Rwanda. And I never, you make me feel like I'm back at home whenever you wear your headscarf. And like, and I, and to me, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just wearing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm showing up. I'm showing I'm up to work today. <laughs> well, look how much we can do for people if we just show up our honest and authentic selves. You never know how many people you're impacting and how many lives you can touch that way. I think that's mm -hmm. a very important point. Yeah. Wow. So what are some things that you are doing right now um, with your social impact initiative and what can we look out for? I know that you said that you're bringing in books to different schools and that's something that's just on your daily curriculum, I guess, or not daily, but part <laughs> of your social impact initiative. So what are some things we can look for? Yeah, so I'm speaking on a panel on Thursday at Babson College and that'll Ooh, be- that's about exciting. Yeah, yeah, super exciting. It's a panel on women in leadership and diversity. So I'll be speaking at Batson College later. I'm hosting a few galas that are in the realm of diversity and raising funds for people of different socioeconomic backgrounds to make sure that they have equitable health care. So that's happening later. And then my big thing that I have coming up is I, I feel like I would not be doing justice unless I gave back to the people in the organizations who gave to me. And so on November 10th, I'm hosting my own little mini gala um, in Boston and it's a charity fundraiser be going to the Metco program because they allowed me to get an education that I would have rather, I would have not have had had I gone to the school system that I was living near, but also the other 50% is going to the Miss America organization because I'm debt free. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Is yeah. that kind of your send off or is that separate? No, that is just something I wanted to do aside from send off and everything just because so much I wanted to do something that was that was separate. That was fully me giving back to the two most important organizations other than Special Olympics in my life. And so that's You're like I that's, have a top three. I can only do two right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I coached and volunteered for 15 years. That's my current contribution. Yeah. Like, I've given you that. I'm, I'm continuing. <laughs> I do that. So I have the t-shirts to prove it. So, you know, the least I can do is use my network and the people that I fortunately have had the access to through my job, through the Miss America organization, to be able to raise money to give back to, to those two places. That is going to be so much fun. Oh, I can't wait to see all the photos. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I know trying to put on an event is very intimidating. I'm getting my send off together right now. And we're also making it a fundraiser because like you said, I want to be able to give back to people and that this is my opportunity to do so. And but, oh my goodness, trying to plan an event is very overwhelming, especially with all the prep that we're doing. So props to you for doing two of those. <laughs> okay. I am thankful that my my board is taking care of the send-off half. And 
I have, through fortunately my job, a network of people in event planning, and I got the hotel sponsored. For her. so I'm I'm very happy that I have people who tell me how to do things <laughs> because. Oh, please I, give me a to do list. I mean, truly, I am the first person to say that I'm not the smartest person in the room, and I never will be. And so why not use the resources of the people who have specialties and have lived their lives perfecting something that I have not to be able to come together to create something great? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially yeah. with something that's so important to you and that you're very passionate about to have people that really know what they're doing to <laughs> execute exactly what you want. Right. So now my favorite part of the entire podcast is real talk. So this is where we kind of hear about the highs and the lows, because we talk a lot about that social media is a highlight reel, that you only post the good things, that all those little squares that you may be comparing yourself to are just the good things and the things that people want you to see. And yep. everyone, and I feel everyone in our generation, and well, <laughs> you're a millennial, but um, hey, I just told someone, hey, look. I have, you can't see, but I have wide leg jeans on. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Do you have the high boots? Do you have the high boots all the way up? Not because of the wide leg jeans, right? No, why would I? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the knee high boots? <laughs> They're wide legs. How could I fit? I don't know. Do you could why? get creative? Who knows? <laughs> you could wear any shoe with these. There's. Why would I hide a perfectly beautiful boot underneath a wide leg? I go with the heeled booty. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm so, can, I'm so proud. My booties, my millennial booties, out of my old dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> I will stay away from your booties and your boomerangs, okay? I will do my best. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So I feel like, back to my original statement, that I feel like everyone in our, living in this digital world, we fall to in this cycle of comparison. And so it can be really hard. So having these conversations is not, I started having these conversations on social media more for my own therapy when I started this in 2019. That's when I started Time to Shape Your Beauty. And those that don't know, that's my social impact initiative. And so I talked about the things that I was struggling with and I found that other people struggled with the same things. And to be able to talk about that, that took a weight off my shoulders. And I figured that I could use my platform to talk about these conversations that maybe are not, that we don't often see on social media. So what is it like winning your title? And like, what is the prep? What was your, the prep is a build up to that moment when you get crowned. So what is that moment like? I feel like everyone has this, uh, oh my goodness moment. And it's so fun to hear everyone's crowning story. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't remember. I blacked out. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> and I got, I was there for this. <laughs> you can tell me actually what happened better than I can tell you what happened. I watched the video back because I, <laughs> I remember parts that I remember is that Taylor, the MC went off on a mini tangent and I am, I yes. have the photo of me looking at her and going, what? I, I, I remember you know, that. You're like, ha oh, ha. Okay. Let's get to the crowning. 
And then I just remember looking at Cassie and being like, I am so proud of you. Because, I mean, I started in this organization when I was 19 years old. I had been watching Miss America since I was a little bit of babies. And I am now 25. And I purposely took years off to develop myself as a woman and who I was and who I would be and all these things. And so, so seeing Cassie, who had just started this year, being up there. Oh, with I didn't me, realize that. Yeah, her first time ever. I was just, I was just so proud of her. And I, I wanted her to know that no matter what happened, that I was proud of, of us too. And then I believe my name was called. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. That video shows me. <laughs> um, and then I started sobbing. And then my best friend Liz came over <laughs> to crown me. And I started sobbing more. And then, and then Gabby, who was our first Black Miss Massachusetts, came over and gave me my flowers, and I started sobbing more. And then I don't remember, other than at the end, I turn around, and then then I get hugged, and then I get rushed into an elevator. My thing that I, my thing that I tell people, at least for my crowning, I did not realize the weight of my accomplishment and what I had done for myself and for the Muslim community, the Black community, the Cape Verdean community, until I was in my executive director's room at night after all the, the party, whatever, afterwards, and I just saw the crown and the sash, and it was just me, crown and sash, and a pull-out couch. And, <laughs> and, oh my God, I did it. It's, that's, I did it. Like, that's, my, that's mine. Like, I, it is my turn to sit and sleep on this pull-out couch and <laughs> and the next day be asked do you want the job of miss massachusetts like i i just couldn't believe it while everything was happening because everything's happening one it's so fast but also I, just because i think sometimes when you get to those moments that you had been hoping for and working towards for so long when it happens and you just you don't really believe believe it no not even a little bit it really people I don't think other I don't think you realize I didn't realize how in shock that I would be when I was crowned either and when people look at you and they're like you did it you're like I I did I did did that was me (laughs) (laughs) when I saw my family and friends they're like you did it I was like oh Yay! <laughs> sure. I I made it through. I actually hate competing. Um, I hate mm-hmm. I hate being on stage. That's my I hate it. I love the work of being a title holder. I hate right. being on stage more than anything. I can I can talk. You would I, never know. You I don't would never know. I love you to death. I was I there. I could say I, as a I didn't even know you. Just as an observer, <laughs> you would never know. <laughs> I, I wasn't your friend yet. We weren't friends. <laughs> I forgot my last statement. I literally was oh, on, yeah. and I look out into the crowd, and my brain is going, "You need to say something right now. Anything. <laughs> Just open the, open your mouth." I, I, I hated it, and I said it, and then I said it exactly how I wanted to say it. But I, I blanked. I don't know. I, I like the. It's act- like that TV fuzz in your head. That's how <laughs> I was during my onstage question. I remember talking. And then I remember looking at, I felt like an out-of-body experience. I was like, looking at that. myself. I was like, you're still talking? Like, give me a good going. I was like, 
And thank you. And I walk away. Yeah, I just, you don't, you know, you really don't realize that. And I think I'm little, I'm proud of me because little me would be proud of me. Because yeah. teenage would be proud of me. Um, because I definitely think when I, when I wanted this, when I was a teenager and just knowing, you know, the mental health problems and struggles I went through and, mm -hmm. and the, the family things that happened and like all the things that I just went through leading up to this and getting to the point in my life where I wish I could tell my younger self that it was going to be okay and that everything's going to work out. I just, I think I'm, I'm most proud of hoping that she can hear that in an alternate universe. No, I mean, that's very profound. It sounds very poetic of you. Um, <laughs> but I 100% know what you mean that, I don't know, I don't know if you saw my TikTok recently, that trend of I was, it felt like 16 was yesterday, and now I'm closer to 28. Yeah. And I was looking at those photos and in 2016, I was Miss Maine's outstanding teen. And I'm looking at that picture and I knew then that I wanted to be Miss Maine. But then that gap between 16 and 22, what, like you said, what you went through. And I had, I struggled mentally as well. And I struggled a lot with depression and I still struggle with anxiety and like, seeing hoping that your younger self that little 16 year old me would be like you did it and you it came out even stronger because of the things that have happened and you found the person that you were meant to be like all of these lows they are teaching you a lesson that it, even the worst teaches you lessons and bad teaches you experience and taking those and not that's something that I feel that I'm proud of in my mental health journey is that just not sitting in that. And sometimes that can be really, really hard. And it's, it's, e it's easier said than done for sure. And it's really hard to ask for help sometimes. And so that's something that like celebrating those little victories, like celebrating that, like I went to therapy, like those things that got me to the woman that I am today. And so I think that was beautifully put being able to talk to that younger self even if it's in an alternate universe somewhere <laughs> exactly i think you have to look back on all the times that you questioned what you were doing and how you were doing and but still had those goals in the back of your mind and always wanted to do it that the times when you were questioning it how proud you have to be at yourself and for yourself for getting through them because mm. of where you are now. And and when people, you know, come up to me and I'm sure come up to you and are like, you're such an inspiration and you're such, and you're just like, man, I just got through it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just here. I'm just here. It I'm happened. <laughs> but but like, like, I don't really know. I, I think that all the time, like people say that and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> man. <laughs> If you knew me a few years ago, I don't know if you'd say that, but thank you. And like, but, but truly just to kind of like sit and think about like, man, I went to therapy. Man, I took myself to a mental hospital. Granted, my mom drove me, but I just, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't really take I did that. I did that. My dad drove me, but I did that. <laughs> I finished college with three jobs. Like, it, just to really think about it, because we can get so caught up once you're in this current moment, you know, we can get, right. I can get so caught up 
as we should be living in the in the now without mm -hmm. acknowledging how much we did to get here because you can't I, forget yeah. part of story that's that's part of the reason why you're here in the first place is because of the things that you were able to go through so we shouldn't forget any of that just because we're at mm -hmm. the place we yeah absolutely we gotta appreciate those little moments and i so i'm a coach and when i'm coaching my little lacrosse players i'm always saying that you need to kind of like shake it off whatever happens and look forward and it's those three seconds after what are you doing with those three seconds after if we make a mistake on the field what are you doing with those three seconds and that you're staying present yes but you're able to look at what is next and really push yourself in a sense. Yeah. Um, so what is one lesson that you've learned from this job? Boy, one lesson I've learned from the new lessons every There's day. There's a million I know. But. <laughs> <laughs> Executive director, I learned something new every day. Um, but that's really, I mean, that's something that my dad has always taught me since I was a little kid is you learn something new every day. But a lesson that I've learned from this job, oy, oy, oy. you know, to take, to wear compression socks while I'm driving because it's long drives there. Compression <laughs> socks. <laughs> you be driving everything. Yeah, I mean, very true, but I would never have thought to put on compression socks. I just kind of put on works and go. That's because I'm old, Matt, so that's why. <laughs> That's the millennial talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my millennial talk. I'm like, you got your compression socks on, yeah? <laughs> the compression socks, you got the booties, and we're going to take a little boomerang. And there you go. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I, think the, I think the benefit and the, the incredible unique position that I love that I'm in right now being the job job that I have, the career field that I have, and being able to be Miss Massachusetts is when people have asked me after I won, oh my gosh, has it set in yet? What's it like? Is I, I say it's really not any different than what I was doing beforehand. I just have a sparkly crown and sash on. And so the lessons that I have learned and that I'm continuing to learn and move forward with are just things that are happening in my life and things that I've gone through that I'm now so grateful that I get to share with others. And and that's, I think, what I love the most is that I just, when I went from Cambridge to Massachusetts, it just got a little bigger. It got a little heavier, a little more pins were needed. But like, yep. nothing, nothing changed for me. I am still the person that I was and the woman that I knew I wanted to present to the judges on why I should have the job. And if there's anything I've learned, it's more, it's more practical things. <laughs> like my mm -hmm. It's because I go into every day as Katrina, the news reporter and Katrina, Miss Massachusetts, as the woman that I want to be now and that I want to continue to be going forward in my life. Yeah. I think you, I think you can tell that you read poetry. <laughs> It sounds very profound to this girl. <laughs> I can like hear the library in your office. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. I... <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. You saw you three years, you'll be the same vibe. <laughs> you'll be like, 
right, Jay. Let me tell you a little bit about compression socks. <laughs> I got purple and pink. Oh, goodness. All right, I don't do purple. They're just don't do me like that. <laughs> you know what? You got to order some bun buns. That's what I would do. I would get ones with, like, sloths all over it or something so that they're, like, fancy. Moths? You no, no, sloths. No, sloth. <laughs> you think my favorite animal is a moth? That's an insect. Here's the thing, here's the thing. I would not judge you either way. I would <laughs> love you. I would definitely. I would judge me. I would, I would judge me if my favorite animal I, was a sloth. I mean, like, a, a moth. <laughs> I would certainly think things privately. But I would not. <laughs> I would love you exactly who you are as a moth lover. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so tell me about a time that you didn't feel so confident. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's getting deep here, but like no, I no, there's just so many that I'm uh I'm I'm going through my encyclopedia here in my head, and I think that's completely fine. Um, as a human being, as a woman, to have those moments. And right. I would not, I mean, the lowest point, the absolute mm -hmm. lowest point of my life was when I was in high school and I was doing my U.S. history homework on my floor and I decided that I need to go to the mental hospital. And that I had been seeing a therapist for, I believe, two years at that point because my parents were going through a divorce. And I was the student. I was the role, all the roles in the musical theaters. I was the star English student. I was in honors. I was whatever. And I was the star Metco student in the program. And so nobody saw it coming, but I saw it coming. And <laughs> I, I struggled with trichotillomania, which is, um, so like our Miss America, Emma has dermatillomania. Yeah. Um, it's focused, um, a body focused repetitive disorder. And so mine is trichotillomania, which is I pull out my, my eyelashes since I was a little kid. So, well, oh. it, yeah, it started when I was my eyebrows, but then people started to notice. So then um, in the most messed up way that mental health and OCD disorders like that do to you, I said, let me do the eyelashes because no one will notice that as much. <laughs> and I started doing that. Sure, the brain will be funny with you like that. And I had been really struggling this certain year with this class and everything. And I remember I had had friends, and this sounds weird the way I'm about to put it, but I am so incredibly thankful for it. I had had friends before me who went to mental hospitals and I was in a very strange group of, of friends that um multiple people had gone to mental hospitals. And I had had a boyfriend, I mean, he was an ex-boyfriend at the time, but a boyfriend who had tried to kill himself while we were dating. And oh. so, I, That's so hard. yeah, but I was, I, I look back on it as hard as it was at the time. If I had not been in that space to be around people who were going also through struggles openly within my circle, I don't know if I would have been able to get myself the help I needed because I didn't know it was available because at the time when I was in school back in my day, we <laughs> Deal with the kids these days. We did not talk about mental health, especially in the school right. system I went to. Mental health was not talked about at all whatsoever. And so I was on the floor one day doing my homework, and I just remember being like, I cannot keep 
going the way that I am. This is not a productive way to continue life. And what I like to say the most is that I was not on the point. I talked in a podcast about this the other day about suicide prevention. And I was, and, and the scale, the spectrum um, of suicidal ideation. And I was not at that point and not everybody gets to that point where you're saying, I do not want to live anymore, but to the point of where you're saying, I just do not want to continue life the way that it is currently going. And I know that this is not how my life is supposed to be, but I don't know how to change that. And to me, thankfully, because of those friends that I had, I knew there was help. There was outside help. And I, God bless my mama's soul, because I literally went to this woman, no context at all whatsoever. And I said, yeah, I need to go to the ER. And she was like, what? And granted, I, I did go to the ER a lot as a, as a teen because I got hurt a lot. I played basketball real rough. Oh. <laughs> I, wish I, I was joking. I was the only girl on, a, on an all-boys team. <laughs> yeah. No way. Concussions. I have a dent in my skull from uh, being hit in the head with another boy's head. Yeah. So there was a running joke. <laughs> I, I wish. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> my dad, you're like, your mom probably looked at you and was like, there was no basketball practice today. What's going right. on? How are you injured in your room <laughs> on the floor? And so, like, bless her heart for just being like, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, my, yeah, it's just so normal. They should have, my dad literally used to be like, they should name a wing after you. I'm like, I don't think that's positive. And so, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. I think I, I want that. Oh, I've given them enough of my healthcare dollars, but okay. And so, <laughs> I, I, she drives me there and I still didn't even want to tell my mom like what was happening that I was like, I'm going to the ER because I think I should go to a mental hospital because I don't know what's going on, but I think I should go. And my mom drives me. I talk to the nurse. The nurse is like, you know, okay, so your mom and your dad are here. You know, we have to tell them. <laughs> you know, we have to tell them. <laughs> we have to tell them we have to keep you for a bit. <laughs> like, she was like, you're going to, you're okay. So we've, where you've been evaluated, we've decided you do indeed need to go to the hospital. You should go to mental hospital voluntarily. Two weeks is the minimum. We have a spot for you at McLean, which is thankfully one of the best mental hospitals in New England um, is here in Massachusetts. They're like, but we have to tell your parents. <laughs> and I just remember being so scared to let my parents down and, and to be like, oh, if you tell them, that means that they're going to know that I didn't do my homework. Okay. Like, I feel like that is the height of your concern in that moment, I, but it is. I, it is, especially, especially being such a high-performing student in the Black community. For, mm -hmm. for us, there was so much more pressure, especially being one of the only Black students in a predominantly white school. Mm -hmm. One of the best students in the program at the school, there was so much pressure to be perfect that going for two weeks away from school and eventually finding out why and having to tell my parents why, like that broke me in my confidence anything ever has because I had to come to the realization with myself at 16 years old that I couldn't do it all. That, that I wasn't this person that I was trying to make myself out to be to others and that it was okay to be able to fail in some areas. And that broke the confidence that I had been riding 
for so long. But I was listening to a podcast the other day about trichotillomania and someone said, people with this disorder can only be in rev for so long before, mm -hmm. before you crash, before mm -hmm. it hits the fan. And that is the scariest moment is being like, it's coming to the realization not only for others, but that what that realization means for yourself and having to face that. Yeah, but now I cool. do. Huh? Now I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm good. Now I'm good. Well, I think it's very important what you said about that uh, spectrum of suicidal ideation. That's not something that we hear very often. We often hear that you are just either at your lowest of lows, and that doesn't have to be that you want to harm yourself that just means that you know that there's something wrong and that you need to seek that help and that's something that I heard as well and when I went to therapy and I finally got the courage to go I was like they were saying that to me and I was like well I didn't think that I was at that point of needing it I was like well I don't I don't want to harm myself so I'm fine and they're like no that's no. that's not correct <laughs> they're like sorry to break it to you sweetie but that's that you're so wrong. I was like, oh, okay. Do you see Colleen too? Why would we see the same person? <laughs> yeah, no. Coming at you, but I think that's so important that we need to discuss things like that so that young people don't feel, and people of all ages, obviously, but I, especially in this digital world, we're sick we're stuck in this kind of cycle of just hearing the same things over and over again. And we don't talk about that aspect of it. And that some people feel like that they can't ask for help because they're not quite bad enough. And well, that's not the case. That's ab absolutely. I mean, I, if you still ask me today, like I was not suicidal, like, mm -hmm. and the right. conversation, as you said, is the conversation being like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not like those people that were that bad. I'm sure I'm okay. But like, man, you went to a freaking mental hospital, okay? <laughs> you were not okay. <laughs> you were not okay. <laughs> Stop trying that. And how, how intense is that framework of mind that society has put us into that we, even at our lowest, don't want to put ourselves into with the, at least I'm not the lowest of low. Like, okay, well, it's also okay that that person's there. And it's okay right. to be the lowest of yes. low. Like, also not be villainizing the lowest of low. Because oh, you absolutely. Have the same ward eating the same hospital pizza. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Like, even when you are in those lowest of lows, like, you deserve that help and it's it can be really really hard to get to that place to be able to ask for that and so that's why it's so important to be having these conversations that you were able to say hey mom i need help and i need to go to the hospital and somebody hearing this story is going to make that impact and they will feel they will feel brave enough to do what you did and ask for help because that is just so important and it's so impactful so thank you for sharing that because that is very I'm sure very emotional and kind of a deep topic to talk about. And I always say you're kind of open about it, but I'm used to telling my Looney Bin story at this point. This is this is <laughs> but I think I think that's what's so important, right? Like you have your series that you have. I have my mental health series that I also have on Instagram Live where I specifically focus more on like marginalized communities and talking about mental health because of literally this, because 
I think mm -hmm. that if we do not make this into something that is conversational and something that is an easy to access conversation, then the stigma only further continues. And so the more that I remember the I, I get my, my loony bin talk because when I was there, my best friend in the world is still my best friend to this day. She was like, man, I remember I got out. She's like, remember when you called me? And I don't remember this. I remember getting to the phone, but I don't remember this conversation, but I believe I said mm -hmm. it. And she goes, remember when you called me and you were like, because they don't let you have your cell phones. Uh, so, mm -hmm. But they, they let you write down like your friend's numbers, right? And so oh, I called, good, good. called my friend and I said, you'll never guess where I am. I, I'm such a clown. <laughs> like, yeah. Where are you? And I said, I'm in the loony bin. <laughs> oh, that is so on brand for you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I call my loony bin story because I am, I just, I'm so fine with talking about it, if it means that other people can be fine with talking about the bad day they had. You know what I mean? Like, if you can look at me and be like, dang, she was messed up. I'm just having a, I'm just having a bad day. And that's, I, if she can talk about this so openly and nonchalantly, then like I can talk about, and, and who I am, who you are in society to our communities, then like I can absolutely open up to somebody about my day and about what I through because it is so pertinent, especially with the youths of today, like yourself. And <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> so youthful, the youthful glow that you have. <laughs> it is so important these conversations more accessible because they just were not when we were in high school and the more accessible that we make them, whether it be social media or just going to schools and advocating for them, like the more hopefully students won't get to that point where they're on their floor doing US history and have to cryptically tell their mother they need to go to the ER. Fair enough. Very well said, Katrina. <laughs> so on to a little bit of a different topic, just kind of wrapping things up. What is your Miss America prep looking like? Like, how does your mindset play into competition? It's very stressful. And I, I've had a friend actually reach out to me recently. We competed at Miss America's Outstanding Team together. And she texted me and she was like, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Are you feeling okay? I was like, yes, all good. Very stressed but we're doing good. I'm like the fact that she knows to just check in and see how we're doing with the stress. So how does your mindset play into competition in Miss America prep? I, I, I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like. I'm, I, I am not stressed. <laughs> how? <laughs> Miss girl, how? With all the paperwork, I'm such a perfectionist. I was looking at that paperwork, like every little period had to be the exact space away. I was so in on it. I don't know. You that, just don't, you don't see you, face. No, you got people to look at that for you. You got to trust in the people around you are not going to let you fail. And that the journey that you are currently on is setting you up for the success you'll have at Miss America. Period. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And, and that's how I believe that other than obviously like I'm taking vocal lessons, you know what I mean? Like the, the basics of preparation, right? Like I'm taking right, vocal right. 
I'm, you know, writing down my wardrobe. But when it comes to what people, like that, the question, obviously, that, that we've been getting asked, of like, what are you doing to prepare? I truly believe yes. that what we're doing on yourself and for your community in your day-to-day -day life is your best preparation for Miss America. Right. You yes. know, whatever other prep you are doing on top of that, is important and whatever, you know, everybody needs something else. Everyone needs different things. But yes. for me, I can go into Miss America and just say, hey, I've been Miss Massachusetts since July and here's what I've done. And I've been a news reporter since 2019 and here's how I've impacted my community. Here's how I would carry this on to being Miss America. And also here's who I am as the woman who has been developed since for the last 25 years. And I am confidently that woman there's no other other than technical preparation that I believe yes. I need. Yes, I completely agree with that. It's just that extra oomph onto it, I guess. Like when we're, <laughs> which is just poorly said, honestly, but our class is as all of the other Miss America classes. Our class is so talented, accomplished, and just incredible people that no matter who is crowned Miss America 2023, they're going to do an absolutely incredible job. And so going into competition, I do think that there is, it is going in with that mindset that like, this is me and this is what I bring to the table. This is the work that I put in because I am passionate about my social impact initiative and I'm passionate about representing my state. And then this is what I can do. And you know, the rest is just like the icing on the cake. But yeah. to me personally, I get a little stressed about the little icing on the cake because I'm a perfectionist. So I'm looking at these interview preps like, oh my gosh, I gotta, gotta answer all these questions. Like, oh my goodness, what if I mess <laughs> up? Like, I just take that extra stress onto myself. But you're right, it really goes into what you bring something so special to this world. And that's what Time to Shake Your Beauty talks about is that everyone has something inside of them that is so valuable to this world and that we need to be confident in that and own that. Yeah. As passionate as I, I say, as passionate as you are, I am about everything that we do out for others. You need to bring that passion into the confidence you have in yourself. Yes. And that, Absolutely. That, that's what ultimately shows to the judges is that, you are passionate mm -hmm. not only in what you do, but you're passionate about yourself because you have built up yourself to be confident in whatever you're doing in your life. That it doesn't matter what judge tells you or person tells you what about yourself, that at the end of the day, you're still going to do you. And that's not going to yeah. change. So, I mean, obviously, you're I'm being cool. authentically yourself, unapologetically <laughs> you. Unapologetically you. And I mean, of, of course, I am very fortunate that I work in a profession where I interview others for a living and I speak for a living. So, my interview prep for me is journaling and about how I feel. About if that's my job, back to your previous comments, I just work here. Uh, <laughs> I'm just here for work. I just here for work. Like, but I think that for me, the best interview prep that I could do, and I and I tell my teens this as well, is that if there are topics in the world that you're interested in that you think that you might get asked in an interview or whatever, don't practice them like someone asked you the question just write down your thoughts and formulate how you feel about that thing because ultimately interview is a conversation and yeah. it's a conversation you're having with the judges and if you haven't had those conversations with yourself how are you going to articulate that 
to others. And so I used to be the, when I was young, when I was 19 and I was like just getting into it. And even when I was a teenager, I used to read those 300 and whatever interview questions and memorize them or whatever. And now I'm just like, you know what? If, if I've thought about these things, if I can articulate my opinion just the same way I do if any person on the street were to ask me, you know, about something, okay. <laughs> and that's, that's that. <laughs> that. Like my biggest worry is talent. And I have a man who's very kind to me every week <laughs> who gaslights me into thinking I'm good. <laughs> and that's <laughs> enough for me. Stop. You are fantastic. I watched it myself and I'm very excited to see your talent at Miss America. I'm so excited to see it. Me too. <laughs> me too, sis. Me too. Okay, this is the time we open it up for any questions, but I do have one question that was sent beforehand that how did you get involved in the Miss America organization? Like, how do you take that first step? Yeah, totally. I'm also going to I'm going to move you because I don't want this to die. <laughs> fair well, enough, fair enough. Well, I'm talking to you. Um, and I did not realize where I was at with my phone battery. But um, repeat the question if you do not mind for me. No, absolutely. How do you get involved in the Miss America organization? What is that first step? And what was that first step like for you? So for me, that first step was, well, I've been, as I said, touched upon a little earlier, I've been watching since I was a, a young girl with my grandmother every year. And so mm -hmm. I know about the program. I was like, I want to be Miss America when I grow up. And, and I was in college and I saw a flyer because there are former Miss DCs who went to mm -hmm. American. And so I saw a flyer on my campus one day and I was like, oh, is that like the, like the preliminary to Miss America, Miss DC? Say less. I had so many loans. I was working like three jobs at that, my first summer, and this is a unique experience. I hope no one else goes through this, but my oh, first gosh. summer that I decided to compete, um, obviously it was, it was after my freshman year, and typically most freshmen go back home after their freshman year to work, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to compete. And I was working at the front desk of a hotel that had just opened. And they were being a little iffy about like, oh, are you going to have your job when you get back? And so I was like, you know what? I really want to compete. So I hit up the flyer. I went through orientation. I got accepted into being a finalist because there, instead of doing local competitions, everybody who's interested um, auditions essentially to become a finalist and then all the people mm -hmm. who made it through got a certain amount of scores end up competing in the state or hopefully dc will be a state but you know what i mean <laughs> the, the, right, right. Love the pageant uh, competition <laughs> I, I do it all the time all the time it's terrible like <laughs> contestants candidates oh, i'm sorry so, platform, I'm so, so sorry. Sorry. Oh, sugar <laughs> but anyways i uh, <laughs> i I subletted from a random college boy's apartment, slept in on a mattress, and barely had any money to pay rent and make food. So I would be getting my food from leftover events at the hotel to gear up to compete for Miss DC. And then I competed um, and I lost. And then... <laughs> <laughs> it's 
all in the right timing, though. It's all in the right timing. I mean, I when I started competing, I really thought I was going to be the next Teresa Scanlon. I was like, it's me. I can be young and be Miss America. It's me, baby. And it so mm -hmm. wasn't me, baby. And so <laughs> it wasn't me for, for two years. And that's when I, when I said I needed time to really develop myself because because of the fact of questions I got asked during my mock interviews for Miss DC made me realize that I really didn't know who I was um, as a woman and as a growing journalist. But it all started with me seeing a flyer. And, and now flyers are on social media more. <laughs> so keep uh, an eye out for an online Keep an flyer. eye out for flyers, uh, social media flyers. But for me, it started, I remember I'd gone to the Miss Massachusetts website. We all have websites. And so I went to the website to look up first. And I remember being like, oh, but I don't know if I'll be back in Massachusetts for this. I don't know how the local competition works. Like, I think a lot of people's barrier of access is being scared to ask questions. Right. And I know at least that was mine. I was like, oh, but what if I send yeah. an email and, and they're mean? Because <laughs> I've never done this before. And I don't know how this works. And after I did Miss DC, I was just like, oh, man, I can email anybody. You can. These are the nicest people in the world. They are literally here just to empower women and give me money. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, this is I'm amazing. Email, I'll email everybody. <laughs> so for me, it really started with seeing that flyer. And, you know, if anybody sees those flyers around their schools, I would encourage any title holder to pin those flyers up around the local colleges because that's what started it for ah. me. But those flyers are now on social media too. And just don't be afraid to reach out and to know there's no, no such thing as a stupid question. So I just reach out to your local title holder, your local state organization, and just ask when the next one is and what it takes to compete. Yes, everyone is so open about it. Everyone is so excited to get you in and competing. And that's kind of yeah. how I got involved with the Miss America organization. When I was 16, I had a photographer come up to me and was like, you should try competing. She's like, I, I can answer all the questions you want. I was very confused and <laughs> I was not, that, projects and competitions were never on my radar until, I, I don't correct it, were never on my radar and then, everyone is just so sweet and answering all those questions because you're right everyone is just wants to empower women and that's what this organization is all about so on that empowerment train i always talk about affirmations and why affirmations are so important mm. and really breaking down that negative self-talk cycle with positive self-talk so i we are going to make a affirmation list as the Miss America class, those that are coming on, she is talking. So I would love to make one with you. What is one word that really sticks out with, sticks out for you? Ooh, in terms of like, what, like my favorite word in the universe or like a powerful word? <laughs> it be like, I am like confident, I am brave, I am courageous. What is something mm -hmm. that's very um, important to you and something that you want to bring into your life into the Miss America competition because sharing this with the class I think will be really just a fun experience to be able to kind of settle our nerves a little bit come competition time I would say mine is I am enough I am enough I am absolutely enough. that would that would absolutely be mine I think that I think that especially in any form of competition, whether it be sports, whether it be 
scholarship competitions, whether it be work. I think that all of the time we are so hard on ourselves to be more and we don't take the time to realize everything that we have accomplished just being who we currently are and knowing that that is enough that that i i really realized when i was younger thankfully that some days just waking up and doing the bare minimum just being there for and being someone who's in other people's lives that's enough and mm -hmm. every day my my biggest thing that i say I remember I said this in, in my Miss Massachusetts interview. Every day does not have to be a big day. So mm -hmm. often in life do we go around with the energy that every day is such a big day. And that will weigh on you mentally and physically if that's the mindset you have. And most days are actually little days. There are 365 of them. There's no way every day can be a big day. It's just not physically. <laughs> that's, that's far too much. It's just not possible. And so when you acknowledge that all oh, most days are small days that you are enough every day no matter what type of day it is those big days will be such you'll be one more ready for them but two those big days will be such great big days and such important big days because of the fact that they'll be more meaningful to you and there will be the biggest of all days miss massachusetts was the biggest of all days <laughs> but if yes. i had the mindset that there were so many good great little days that led up to that moment I wouldn't have enjoyed the biggest days so much and that I wouldn't have grown into it knowing that those littlest days and how I was on those littlest days were enough to be successful in the big days beautiful I am enough I added it to the list and I that, that was perfectly put that you need to realize that we often are comparing ourselves and it's so hard to not compare ourselves when it's kind of shoved in our faces a lot of the time. But knowing that that was one of my affirmations going into uh, Miss Maine was like, I have everything I need inside of me to succeed, that awesome. I'm enough. That, that's way more simplistic, but it's beautifully said it's and exactly what we need to hear. So it's, thank it's you so for that. Who you, you are. You are enough. And like what you said, like on a daily basis, I compare myself. It's hard, obviously, mm -hmm. with social media. I, I work in a world where you're kind of directly competing with other stations, other reporters from other stations to get the same things, to be this. And just knowing that people will appreciate you for what you're doing, and that is enough. And it doesn't matter that this person gets to do all of these things. And, oh, my God, am I as good as them or as good as a title holder as them or as good of a reporter as them because I didn't do those things. And it's like, just look at all the people that you're able to impact just from what you're doing. What you're doing is enough. And, yes. and people already, if you can't see that for yourself, just know how many other people already see it. And it's enough for them, so it should be enough for you. Yes, absolutely. So this episode that was the last question but this episode we talked a lot about mental health and the importance of having that open conversation we talked a lot about how we are prepping for miss america and what kind of mindset that takes to get into it and what it takes to get into the miss america organization and how 
truly simple it is because the organization is all based around empowering young women to be the very best version of themselves. And so this, again, is the first episode of the second season of a live series that will be saved on IGTV. There you can find new episodes with guests and we'll be discussing topics such as confidence, self-love journeys, confidence building tools, mental health, and how to become that best version of yourself. And remember to donate to Girls on the Run. And let's wrap it up with a last piece of advice. Is there anything that you would love to leave our audience with? Oh, man. Make tomorrow a little day. Yes. I think that wraps up, honestly, everything that you've said today, that you are enough and that the little days are just as important as the big days and really to, and we talked about earlier in the episode to celebrate those little wins. And that is the perfect example of that. So now as we wrap this up, we always, I always wrap it up with my catchphrase and it's always the most awkward thing in the entire world, but I find it fun. Um, so I will count us down, but the catchphrase is you got it, go get it. It's time to shake your beauty. And so on the count of three, we'll say it together. There's always a lag and there's always a lag and it's always so awkward, but no, I got it. No, I got it. (laughs) Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. You got it. Go Go get it. it. It's time to shake your beauty. Thank you so much, Katrina. It's been so fun hanging out with you again. I can't wait to see you so soon. And hopefully I get to see you sooner because we're only a couple hours away, but sending all my love and if you want to find this episode you can find it on IGTV saves later and you'll also be able to find it on Spotify and thank you again for joining Katrina and we'll see you next time on Chia's Talking bye bye